because of the uh, subject that we're going to look at, I may get typecast. So I'll tell you, the next time I'm on is three Sundays in June, and we're going to do the book of Habakkuk, which is about as far removed from where we're going today as it's possible to go. So that's good. Uh, and one thing before we get going, um, I'd really love to ask for your prayers this week. Uh, I suppose there are times as we get older that we get in situations that are just a little scary. When I was young, which was a very long time ago, you know, dinosaurs walked the earth, knights were around in shining armor and all of that. Well, back in those days, uh, I, I, along with a friend, I started a conference in the UK and we called it Spring Harvest. It was an attempt to call the British church to renewal uh, and to change. The first year we had 3,300 people which seemed like a lot of people in those days. Uh, within 20 years, it was 85,000 people. And uh, it still goes on today. It got a lot smaller. Uh, it went down to about, uh, about 30,000. Now my youngest son is in charge, and it's growing again. So it, he has come up with the silly idea of getting the guys who were behind it uh, in the, the first place together again to do a ruby anniversary, which is 40 years. So Graham Kendrick, who wrote Shine Jesus Shine and all of that, uh, Graham and I are doing our thing again. Um, and Ruth and I will go to Spring Harvest uh, this week. Now what makes it scary is when you are suddenly, you know, we've got, we got more than 50 of us here, which is great. Uh, spring harvest will be about 50,000. Um, I'm a bit old for this. Uh, and I've got to try to give an address on what God would do in Britain today. Which is, again, a bit demanding when you've been out of the country a long time. So I, we would love you to pray for us. Um, the big dates for us are the 8th to the 18th. What they do with the conference is they put it over four parts of Britain. So you have to travel um, to do bite-sized bits of 10,000 a go. So we really would love your, your prayer. Uh, we'll get back here on the 23rd of uh, April in the evening, and we will move house on the 24th in the morning. We sign the papers on the 24th. And we are very grateful for all of your help and support as we've done that. Uh, as Ruth says, we start moving. This is a two-day exercise. Do you remember when we used to do it in the morning? <laughs> Life changes. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your love to us. We pray that you'd bless us as we look at your word. We pray that you would ease our fears, focus our attention on you, and rejoice our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, those of you who know me will know I love preaching on a passage, and I hate just using a text. And part of that is because it's very easy for a text taken out of context to simply become a pretext for me saying whatever I want. 
great thing about working in the context of a passage is you can't do that. On this occasion, I'm stuck because it literally is uh, two verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 39 and 40. So my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy and don't forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order. Now this is one of those passages that any preacher worth their salt knows is to be avoided like the plague. <laughs> because you've only got to announce the passage and that is enough to frighten most people sitting in the room into either active or passive resistance. <laughs> the problem is we love to take bits out of Scripture that we don't like. And we love to consistently repeat bits that we do. And one of the problems with this passage is that in modern church life it's been reversed. Forbid speaking in tongues, earnestly desire not to prophesy, but do make sure everything is done decently and in order. <laughs> and just sadly, Scripture doesn't say that. So whatever your view on the subject may be, you are landed with a biblical passage which is about as clear and specific as anything can be. What my job is, is because Michael knew he was going to be away, <laughs> and I'm the chairman of his elders, he said, you can do that one. <laughs> Thank you very much. He then said, having written five books on the subject, you also can't change your mind. So I know what you're going to say. So that's where we're going today. And it's really um, a very straightforward passage once you get rid of one little problem. And the little problem is what we call cessationism. Now, cessationism is a theology, it's a, a doctrine that basically says that Scripture can be divided into that which was then that which is now, and that which one day will be. Um, it's otherwise known as dispensationalism. It puts everything into different contexts. Now, the only difficulty with that is there isn't any Bible behind it. It actually affects your whole view of Scripture. If you think some of it is for now, some of it is for tomorrow, and some of it is for yesterday, you are in real trouble when you start to make that distinction, unless Scripture says that. So what we've got to do is get in through one of the most controversial passages of Scripture and walk through it today. And I need to say that I am not a cessationist. I do not believe that the gifts of the, the Holy Spirit that were given in Scripture were for yesterday, and aren't for today. And I do believe that they are for tomorrow. I think that if something is in Scripture, unless Scripture says that it has been superseded, 
which is where you get into the practices of Leviticus. You don't have to repeat all of those sacrifices, etc. Scripture says that. But where Scripture doesn't say that, you're in trouble. Because you've got these things that you may feel very uncomfortable about, but they are there in the Bible, and there's no get-out-of-jail-free card. So you're stuck with them. He's still there. And when we come and look at those together, you've got a pretty clear set of Pauline instructions. Don't forbid speaking in tongues. However uncomfortable it may make you feel. Now, what do we mean by speaking in tongues? Because when you take the passage in Acts 2, where they were filled with the Spirit on the day of Pentecost, and they all started speaking in languages, you have a problem. Because that's almost certainly not the same as speaking in tongues. So if you think that if you pray, uh, you're going to be able to go down to the Chinese church and give an intelligible sermon in Mandarin, I'm sorry to disappoint you, that is highly unlikely. Nor is it what scripture normally means by speaking in tongues. I want you to, uh, again, I, I could be very formal and very theological with this with you, and we'd all get into trouble. I'd much rather us be friends and talk honestly and openly about it and see where we get to. Uh, when I did this at my old church in Connecticut, um, the chairman of the elders, Bill Beatty, was a very, very, very close personal friend. And I said to Bill in an elders meeting, God wants you to speak in tongues. God wants you to earnestly desire to prophesy. And God wants you to do it all decently and in order. What do you think of me saying that? He said, well, if you'd said that when you came to the church 10 years ago, I'd have had you thrown out. <laughs> he said, after these years together, I think I know what you mean, and you're all right by me. And as we work together on this, I want us to understand what we're doing. This whole business of speaking in tongues is not speaking in languages. Well, if you're married, when the odds are you have some idea about speaking in tongues. Because you know what it's like when you're trying to tell your wife how drop-dead gorgeous she is. How wonderful she is, how grateful you are for having her, what she means to you. And sometimes you just lapse into nonsense. It's all right. You don't have to be erudite and logical and clear. You're expressing what's in your heart. And when scripture talks about speaking in tongues, it's talking about when you tell God what you think about him. But it won't necessarily be in proper English or even American. It, <laughs> speaking in tongues essentially is when you're telling God how wonderful, amazing, incredible, terrific, magnificent he is, and you run out of words. 
And when you run out of words, you lapse into using whatever comes to your mouth. It may be nonsense verse. In fact, what Paul does, if you translate the whole passage that he's using here in 1 Corinthians into Hebrew, you actually find he's doing that. It, it's all a lot of nonsense, really. Um, because the syllables don't all go together. He's trying to demonstrate that what this is all about is that sometimes you stop being coherent when you're talking to God. Like sometimes you stop being coherent when you're talking to each other and expressing how you feel. Okay? Paul says don't forbid that. It's wrong to forbid that. You don't have to be logical and self-determined in every way when you're communicating with the Lord of glory. And so you can go into a private prayer language. My friend Graham Kendrick is a bit like a steam train sometimes because he sort of gets into a tick-over mode when he's praying. And you know that uh, what he's doing is praying in tongues. Um, and that's all right. Uh, what he's doing is telling the Lord what he feels, knowing the Lord understands, but knowing that the rest of us won't. And it's something that's coming from your heart, from the depths of your being. And so if that happens to you, don't worry. Don't be disappointed. It's great when we can tell God what we feel, as long as he understands. Everybody else doesn't have to. But don't feel that that has to be another coherent language, either of men or of angels. It's basically breathing out to the Lord what you truly feel. Now let's get some more understanding about speaking in tongues. Again, as I said to you, I'm just going to talk honestly and openly with you. One of the difficulties that everybody has with speaking in tongues is the idea that it does have straightforward meanings. So you will sit in a, in a church, and somebody will come out with a tongue. Here we get into trouble. Because everybody waits for the interpretation. And they know what the interpretation is going to be. And I know scripture says there should be interpretation. We will get to that later. Okay? But people normally think that what the interpretation is going to be is something like this. For thus I say unto you, my people... Thus I say unto you, as I the Lord has spoken to thee. I don't know why God has to speak 17th century English. But <laughs> that does seem to be the idea. It's normally accompanied by heavy breathing. And <laughs> so you get this glorious prophecy masquerading as an interpretation of a tongue. Now, you show me in Scripture where tongues is linked to prophecy. What tongues is, is an expression to God of how we feel about him. So tongues is normally going to be praise. You would expect an interpretation of a tongue to be something like, and Lord, you know I'm being reverent, so Lord, I think you're absolutely incredible. I think you're totally marvellous. You're beyond verbal expression. I can't tell you what it means to me, what you've done in my life. I can't explain 
how grateful I am to you for all the time that you've taken on me. Lord, I want to say to you that I think you're absolutely super. Now, that's an interpretation of a tongue. It's not normally a prophecy. It's normally an expression of praise and worship. And that's why uh, a tongue can be sung. And we can start on that particular key and we can sing uh, praise in tongues to the Lord. Perfectly acceptable. Because again, theologically, that's what it's all about. And Paul says, don't forbid it. That would be really, really silly. Because the gifts of the Spirit are designed for a purpose. They are designed to be useful to us. There are times that you're not as close to the Lord as you were yesterday. There are times that you're not as prepared for what God wants to do in your life as you need to be. There are times when you need divine encouragement. That's where the gifts of the Spirit start coming in. That's why it's also important. Okay? So, they're gifts meant for me. Gifts of the Spirit aren't about other people. They're basically about me in one aspect, and that is tongues. Tongues is primarily for me, it's not for you. And it's to equip me for the other gifts that are then for other people, so that I can get ready to release those. When we're talking about tongues, we need to move further and explain that they are gifts for God. They're designed for us to speak to God and express our appreciation to him. It means that when we start to use spiritual gifts, we need to ask some basic questions. Is the focus of glory upon God? Do they line up with scripture? Do they build up the church? Are they spoken in love? Are they submitted to other people? Is the speaker exercising self-control? Is it instructive and not too detailed? Paul points out that a babbling apostle would be a contradiction in terms. These are gifts designed to release other gifts that will be a benefit to other people. Tongues is for you, so don't forbid it. Now, unfortunately... If we did a survey, we would find that most Christians are uptight about tongues. They're confused, they're uncertain, they're not sure whether it's still for now, whether they're allowed to do it or not allowed to do it, or which way does it go? And that's because people very, very rarely talk honestly about it. Uh, in one denomination that I've had to work with over the years, you're not filled with the Spirit, we are told, if you don't speak in tongues. Well, I'm still not sure where that one comes from in Scripture. I do know that they banned my books 
<laughs> while allowing me to speak at their annual conference. How's that for duplicity? Because <laughs> um, I don't think that tongues is the initial evidence of being filled with the Spirit. And I can be wrong, but I don't believe it is. I do believe that tongues is a gift from God, very useful and very appropriate. Do I believe that everybody speaks in tongues? No. I would quote Paul, that I would like you all to. That's what Paul said. And I'm just borrowing from the apostle. But it's not a mark of being a Christian. And it's not an absolute essential to anything. It's just a gift of God. If you don't need the gift, fine. If you do need the gift. I mean, I'll confess to you, I have never publicly interpreted a tongue. That has nothing to do with my theology and everything to do with my comfort zones. And we need just to be a little bit more honest about all of this. And while we're talking about honesty in relation to the things of the Spirit and what it means to come to terms with this, I'm going to get Ruth to come and talk. We know this happens, don't we? You're on, whether Hello? it is, I don't know. Is it on? <laughs> Were you being rude? Yes. Oh. <laughs> it's half the times when people, when the apostles laid their hands on people, the response was tongues. Yep. And half the times in scripture, there are no tongues. So make, make, a, make a theology out of that one. I went through some really tough times in the whole area of the personal work of the Holy Spirit when I was at school. Uh, school was sort of torn apart by someone who was filled with the Holy Spirit and came straight to school. He was a teacher and immediately started telling any kid in school who held some sort of Christian position that they weren't Christians because they didn't speak in tongues. Our whole school was torn to shred. Christian Union was banned by the head teacher and I, I'm a pastor's kid and I knew how you should do church and I knew how you know Christian life should be and I wasn't going to do anything that was embarrassing or uh, I was not in control of so I don't know how we're following a supernatural God if we're in control of everything but I was never ever going to do anything that made me look stupid like speaking in tongues I wasn't going to do it okay now, um, Clive, unfortunately, was filled with the Holy Spirit just actually on the day we should have got married. We put our marriage off for a year. And... Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I was at home, and Clive rang me and said, I need to come and see you and talk to you about something. I said, oh, don't worry about it. I said, I already know God's told me, and I don't agree with it. <laughs> So, um, anyway, I, I, Clive's out on the road as an evangelist, and I'm at the College of Education doing my education part after having been at seminary. And I had a thesis to do, a small thesis. I don't know, it's about 15,000 words. And 
it was this Wednesday. I had 10 days before I had to hand in this thesis. And I had the whole day free. I was going to write. I was going to really produce the goods. And every time I sat down, I felt like the Lord saying, get down on the floor. I thought, well, no, I haven't got time to get down on the floor. I'm not going to do that. I spent two hours fighting God. And in the end, I'm so mad with him. So I get down on the floor, and I'm lying prostrate on the floor. And I start speaking in tongues. It wasn't the fact, I think, that I was speaking in tongues. It was the fact that I was not in control of my life. God wanted to be in control. And I uh, had a great time, actually. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> it was good. It was my resentment. It was my strong will that I wasn't going to do anything as a believer that was not out of my control. Mm. And that is not. You know, I don't think we do go crazy things. I, I never bark like a dog or moved like a cow, which we saw a lot in England. But um, it was would I... God the praise and the glory which meant me coming under his direction under his control incredible thing is I got up I wrote my thesis I never did a double I just did it and I got a distinction praise God So if you <laughs> that's not an answer to slacking at college but um, it was such an incredible experience that God is God he is Lord, he is King and he wants my life to be surrendered to him and if that means doing something that isn't part of the normal, normal people don't go around speaking in tongues, but it's something that just brings glory and praise to our Lord and King. And uh, I recommend it. In fact, I read this week that the Archbishop of Canterbury, every morning in his time with the Lord, he always prays in tongues. So, um, how do you do it? There are various methods recommended. And you'll probably understand by now that I'm going to be fairly cynical about most of them. The suggestion is that you can say the alphabet backwards, and that would be very helpful. I think, the, personally, I think the most profitable way is to focus on Jesus, tell him what you think about him, and if you're getting on fine in England, in English, stop worrying. But if the Lord switches lingos, then don't be too bothered about that either. We need to stop <coughs> being in control. We need to abdicate the throne of our own lives and let Jesus teach us what he wants. So if you don't speak in tongues, and you're listening to this thinking, well, I don't think that's relevant for me, fine. What are you worried about? If you're thinking, oh, I'd love to speak in tongues, and I really think that the Lord wants to do that for me, then tell him what you think about him. And if he gives you the gift, fine. If he doesn't, what are you bothered about? We have wasted so much time on worrying about ourselves and our spiritual condition when we should be going to win a little bit of this world for the King of Kings 
instead. Now let's move on, because let's get on to the second one, which is earnestly desired to prophesy. Now that's different. <laughs> that is different at all, uh, entirely. And Paul tells you why. Because people rabbiting on in tongues without interpretation, nobody knows what's being said. But the prophetic comes through with an authority. And it's the Lord speaking. I will never forget when I was made president of World Relief, I found that they never had a, a sort of spiritual retreat for staff. Now, we had 20,000 staff, but the staff in the US was about 500. And so the idea of getting them together seemed a good idea on retreat. And my old spiritual dad, who's one of these great men of God, you know, what a great man of God looks like. Six foot five, Blonde hair, bronzed face, Californian accent, with this tremendous, all-embracing understanding of the provisions of God. Well, my spiritual dad was uh, nearly died 20 times, was paralyzed down half his body, um, face was twisted and contorted. His wife had... 30 years in a wheelchair and is still in one today. Now she's lost both her legs. Uh, Alex really didn't feel anyone's understanding of a great man of God, but he was the leading prophetic voice in Europe. And getting him to come over to the US was going to be interesting because no one had heard of him. Uh, and so he's sitting there uh, with his, his wife, Flora, and uh, he gets up to speak, and he says, well, when we were on the plane coming over, I fell asleep for a few moments, and I had a vision. And there were great crowds of muscular angels surrounding us, and they formed two lines, uh, forcing us to walk through the channel and to look through, and there in the distance was a great white throne. And seated upon it was one ancient of days. And Alex says, And a voice came from the throne. Now concerning world relief. Now, for one or two of my friends sitting here who have fond memories of Alex, the effect on world relief was just absolutely staggering because nobody had met anything like this. Alex then began uh, seven pages of prophecy, which people just ticked off over the next seven or eight years because amazingly accurate. Um, because he, underst he understood what prophecy was, and most people don't. Uh, when we get in and do Habakkuk in a few weeks' time, that's prophecy in a different sense. Because prophecy in the Old Testament is not the same as the prophetic in the New Testament. Prophecy in the Old Testament is largely foretelling. Prophecy in the New Testament is largely forth-telling. And there is a great difference. Foretelling is predictive. Forth-telling is pronouncing. 
You're using the words of God on his behalf. Not looking into the future, but announcing what God wants to say. So, I could prophesy over Wayne, and it wouldn't be in um, five years' time you're going to. It would be, well, what the Lord wants to say to you today, my friend, is he wants to announce to you his purpose for you and his blessing upon you and his love for you and the family. I mean, it's amazing that we get prophecy so wrong because it's so important. It is forth-telling the word of God over his people. And that is just so helpful. And as Alex breathed all over world relief, it was so helpful. So helpful. I will never forget my, um, my, my favorite Alex story is uh, when he was pastor of a church in Liverpool. He, uh, where the Beatles come from. And it was back in, in those kind of days. And uh, this church was in a mess. And the mess was particularly about the worship. And Alex was newly appointed as pastor. And he was at his house chopping wood, this poor, frail old man, old before his time. And as he was chopping wood, he just felt the, the Lord speaking to him. He'd had an encounter with a lady who led the choir at the church. And he'd said to her, I believe the Lord would say to us, my sister, that this Sunday the choir should worship with the rest of the congregation and we should worship God together. To which her response had been, well, I don't really care what God's saying. We're the choir and we're sticking. <laughs> and so as he chopped wood, the Lord seized him in righteous indignation. He grabbed his hatchet in his hand and he marched down to the church and there in a fit of righteous rage he hewed the choir stalls into pieces before the Lord. <laughs> that was the beginning of the move of God in that place. It was an amazing <laughs> renewal. Uh, as they saw hundreds converted and life was totally changed. You see, the prophetic is when God is saying something. And it may not be predictive at all, but it's a pronouncement of what God thinks, what God feels, what God wants. And that's what we're around for. Um, I did it at the local church once and got into terrible trouble um, for suggesting that God wanted them to pray. Funny, we get this odd idea that uh, the Lord has changed his mind on things. Uh, he hasn't. And sometimes he'll come and give us a prophetic word to remind us of what his mind has been. And he wants us to remember. So Paul says, earnestly desire to prophesy. It would be a good thing. Sometimes I get into a, a funny frame of mind in Israel. Can't help it. And suggest that it would be good for people to split up into groups of two and three and seek what God wanted to say to each other. Ooh. 
Oh, that's when it gets really interesting. Oh, it's amazing. Those prophetic words start coming out all over the place. If you told them they were prophesying, they'd say, no, I'm not. Just saying what I think God wants to say to so-and-so. Yeah, now tell me what the difference is. It's lovely when we realize that God wants to use us to minister to each other. And as I said, you don't have to start off with heavy breathing and you particularly don't have to say, thus saith the Lord. If you say, thus saith the Lord, I'm going to doubt very much that he does. Because God normally doesn't need to announce that he's saying something. Normally it is very evident to the people hearing it. Still doing all right? Don't forbid speaking in tongues. Earnestly desire to prophesy. Do you want to hear a word from God? And start getting each other to do it. We need to know what God wants to say to us. What God wants to do with us. We need to stop faffing around. Amen. <laughs> doing the latest thing that we think is a good idea. Because what that means is that we baptize our culture. Our world is saying something's a good idea. We think it probably is too. So we announce this is the Lord's purpose for us. Really? Where did it come from? Was it a voice from the throne or a good idea? I lived for enough years with a man who knew what a voice from the throne sounded like. And uh, it was scary stuff sometimes, wasn't it? Uh, and really great, because you want to hear what the Lord has to say. So, don't forbid speaking in tongues, earnestly desire to prophesy. And then what's the next bit? Oh, the next bit's the one we're comfortable with. Let everything be done decently and in order. So we don't want 45 prophecies simultaneously. We don't want 85 people speaking in tongues at the same time. We want things done one at a time. I'll never forget in the early years of spring harvest, somebody came out with a tongue in front of thousands of people. <laughs> I was leading the blooming meeting. Turned and looked at Graham Kendrick and he looked at me as much as to say, it's your problem, mate, not mine. <laughs> and so I got to the end of the platform and said, um, if that's a word from God, give the interpretation. Otherwise, shut up. Oh, sorry, that's not rude in England. You're allowed to say that, it's acceptable. <laughs> It's so important that we recognize that we're not there to, to sort of give odd, esoteric words that nobody understands. If you want to give a tongue, fine, providing you give the interpretation, and then the rest of us can witness it or not. And I have no problems with that at all. But I had terrible problems with somebody giving a prophetic word, and then the rest of the day is spent with people trying to listen, trying to hear, and normally coming out with, thus say I unto thee, my people. I'm thinking, no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. 
So let everything be done decently and in order. Let it be done properly. So where does this come into our lives? Don't have a marriage without murmuring sweet nothings at each other. Don't have a relationship with God without sometimes delivering your heart when words can't encapsulate what you want to say. Don't be limited to what you think should be said or what the future holds. Let God speak into situations. And when he doesn't, it's not what you want to hear. Suck it up. Deal with it. He's God, not you. Let him be God. When it comes to doing it decently and in order, put it in a context where you can handle it. So how do you know when I'm prophesying? It's relatively easy because it's governed by those verses. I will normally say something like, remember this? You've heard this before. I think if the Lord Jesus were here in his physical form, what he would want to say to you would go something like this. Or what he would like us to say to him would go something like this. In other words, I've just explained what we're doing. We're not leaving it all in the esoteric and the remote. We're actually being straightforward about it. If somebody gives a tongue and doesn't give an interpretation, I'll call for an interpretation and explain why I'm calling for it. I think it's really important that we take the mystical out and we allow God to be God among us and we deal with it. Now, where does this leave us as individuals? Do you speak in tongues? Don't answer. Don't want to know. Do you prophesy? Do you do all things decently and in order? I bet you do the last one. But you can't go choosing bits you like and bits you don't. Scripture is specific. Earnestly desire to prophesy. Earnestly desire to deliver God's word. Now, Sally, I hate to pick on you like this. But you do have a prophetic gift. Now, you may not know that, right? And partly that's because you don't engage in heavy breathing and telling me that it's thus saith the Lord. <laughs> but I have heard you deliver the word of the Lord. I've heard you not deliver it sometimes as well. But that's good because you're not claiming it all the time. But I've known you give the word of the Lord. That's the prophetic gift. Don't get embarrassed by it. It's great. It's really important that we don't forbid one another being a, a motor on tick over, getting ready to go and minister to others and getting our spirits engaged and encouraged with tongues first. And then you can put all things decently and in order, but you've got to be doing the off-the-wall stuff to need to put things decently and in order. If you're doing everything that's normal, 
that it doesn't need to be decent in an order it is already. It's everything else that needs to be ordered. And that's what Michael wanted me to talk to you about today. Thank you, Michael. I know you're listening to this. Thank you very much. <laughs> what we're going to do uh, at this moment is we're very simply going to pause. And I want you to tell God what you want. Now, he's going to know. I'm not going to know. No one else is going to know. You're going to know. I don't want you to forget what you pray. You may ask the Lord to make sure you never speak in tongues. That's absolutely fine. You may ask the Lord for all kinds of gift, giftedness, openness. I just want the mystique to go. I want the fear to go. I want you to be ready for whatever God wants to do. And then I want you to let him get on with it. Now let me give you the one warning. I was um, very early days. I was working with Graham and a team that Ruth was on. And we were in a church doing a mission. And I knew there was a prophetic word around. So I... It's the great joy of being the team leader. You've, no one else is going to do it. You've got to. So I gave out this word. I'd got a friend on the team who was a very young guy, and I, I looked at him, and he was smiling very encouragingly. But afterwards, he was going, oh, well, I'm, I'm sure I got that. So I crept, crawled over to the part of the room he was in and said, what, what was wrong? He said, first two lines, absolutely God. Rest of it, you explaining it. <laughs> and it's so simple. Rest it in God. Relax it in him. Leave it to him. It's his, not yours and trust him. And so when you've got something for someone, go up and say, I think the Lord's got something to say to you. I really want you to test it, because I get it wrong. And let the Spirit of God speak to the person it's going to. And that's what's really important. And right now, when you're praying, realize he's going to listen to you. Let's pray. Lord, in the quietness, we simply want to tell you what we're looking for you to do, what we'd like you to give us, what we want from you. And Lord, we trust you. So please don't forbid speaking in tongues among us. Please help us all to earnestly desire to prophesy. And let us make sure everything's done decently and in order. And please, Lord, let us be certain that we never miss out on anything 
you want to do or say among us. Please hear our <coughs> prayers of hunger now. In Jesus' name, amen.